Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome. Here we are at another week of Don't Box Me In. I have had the privilege of talking with some amazing people on this show, and today is no different. You know, there is much conversation today about the extra pounds we are carrying as an American culture. And then when you combine that with the effects of the media on our psyche and the constant pressure to become extra thin, somewhere in all of these messages, a few of us struggle to balance emotionally and physically. There becomes a battle with the image they see in the mirror the food they put in their mouth, and the way they feel about themselves. This becomes the foundation for eating disorders. And here are a few facts. Up to 24 million people of all ages and genders suffer from an eating disorder in the United States. 95% of these folks who have eating disorders are between the ages of 12 and 25. And I think uh, the fact that people understand the most, that most people are aware of, is that women are more likely than men to develop an eating disorder. My guest today has come full circle when it comes to her struggles with her own eating disorder. Here to share her story with me today is wellness coach and CrossFit box owner, Andrea Logan. Miss Andrea, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to start off, um, you know, I was reading about you and I see you played sports in college, but I want to know your athletic career. Um, did you start off in high school or elementary or, I mean, how long have you been at this, this sports thing? Um, my parents started me into sports really with no choice. Probably when I was in the second grade, my dad became my coach in softball, basketball, and then little, uh, tennis. And then I developed it, but I, um, I played all the way up and then I started, they started sending me to basketball camps probably at the fourth grade until I graduated um, high school. Okay. Now, you, you said by no choice. I mean, was there something else you wanted to do or why? You know, why? You know when, when you're, two, I guess, in the second grade, <laughs> you really don't even know if you like the sport or not. And then I, was, I found out that I had the athletic ability and I became, you know, pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went to a very small school, so I was like the star athlete, and it pleased my parents. So I can't say I really enjoyed it until I got older. Okay, okay. So just just something the parents did put you in, so you kept yes. on. Now, are are do you come from an athletic family? You have brothers and sisters doing the same thing, or I noticed you said your your dad was a coach, but is it more of you guys yeah. out there? I'm I'm the oldest, the only daughter, and I had three brothers. And my middle brother, he was more the brain of the family, and my dad wanted him to be an athlete, so he made himself by practicing all the time. And then I have twin brothers that are 13 years younger than me that had the athletic ability, but mm-hmm. they choose the academic side. Okay, okay. So um, from your parents' side, and I guess maybe your, your father's side, did that create um – a riff or anything? I mean, was this this pressure in the home of playing sports? Every everybody felt it. No, uh, I think just me. Uh, okay. I don't know why me? <laughs> but uh, I was the one that felt the pressure. Felt like I needed to do it, and then I got the I guess the glory from it, mm-hmm. and then the praise from them. So it made me keep wanting to excel. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, with dad being a coach, and I guess um, we're moving on to high school, um, he must have been kind of preaching a message, which I guess a lot of uh, high school athletes get this eye on the prize thing, you know, of getting into a good college. Um, So was your father pushing you to go to college and to to get a scholarship or, or whatever, or was that on you at this time? Um, no, they, it was a choice of college, and at that time, I, my focus was the only way I was going to go to college was on a ball scholarship. I, did, I okay. didn't know what kind of degree I wanted to be in, so my focus was scholarship, and that's oh. the only thing I focused on. Okay, so in high school, you, you didn't think about, I'm going to go be an English major or, you know, be pre-law or something. You just knew sports was your 
your your alpha and omega. Correct. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately. Okay. okay. So, um, you know, in preparation for getting this into college or whatever, did you did you start dieting then, or did you have healthy um, eating I, habits in in high school? I, in high school, I ate pretty like a regular kid. Um, I ate pretty much what I wanted and maintained because I was so active. Then my freshman year in college, my coach wanted me to put on an extra 10 to 15 pounds for the position in basketball for me to play. Mm -hmm. And then I became rather large in my eyes. Mm -hmm. And my freshman year, um, my sweet mate uh, taught me how to throw up, eat what you want, and throw up. And that's where it began, my first semester of my freshman year. Wow. Your your sweet mate... um they were on a sports team as well? Yes, she was on the uh, tennis team. And, you know, tennis players had to stay rather thin. Okay. Was she and, a freshman and, too? No, she was a sophomore. And oh, okay. she said she'd been doing it. And, and, you know, I listened and I saw what I looked like in the mirror. I went from a healthy, you know, kid that looked pretty good in high school to a girl that weighed about 135, and all of a sudden she was pushing 155, 165 because the coach was gaining, um, putting weight on me. Mm-hmm. And I was extremely unhappy. I didn't feel good about myself. But then I was getting ridiculed by my parents on how big I was. Oh, wow. And, um, yes, and, I, and then I felt like um, I wasn't making anybody proud of me. So it, I started doing it, and boy, I'll tell you, it comes off quick. You can eat whatever <laughs> you want, and then it became a vicious cycle from my freshman year. Okay, so um, we start this early. So she teaches you how to purge the food that you just ate. That was that was how you first started with the the bulimia side, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. I thought you, you know you think when you start it, you can control it. Okay, so. Your your freshman year and everybody, you know, I remember those college days. You know, it, it is just the curse of a freshman. You're going to gain these these this extra weight. Um, but what what if you reflect back? What was your meals like as a freshman year? What kind? What were you eating? What were you putting away? Well, you'd go to the dining hall and eat your regular, you know, chicken, hamburger, mm-hmm. French fries. But then also a Krispy Kreme was right beside <laughs> my dorm, and I would intake. One to two dozen donuts, um, cheat cakes. Okay. Uh, go to McDonald's, Burger King, and Taco Bell, all in within a ten to fifteen minute time frame. So my meals were intaking about six thousand plus calories a day. Oh wow, that that is a lot for even the most um, busybody of people. That's a lot of calories there. Yes, it is. Okay. And, you know, uh, being from North Carolina, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I, I, I enjoy the Krispy Kreme experience. It, it is the curse of all North Carolina Tar Heel folks. So, you know, I sympathize with you there and the whole putting away a dozen. I had my days back in the day. Um, but uh, so you, you you started this your freshman year. Uh, how long did you suffer with bulimia? Um, well, I have an 18 year old daughter. I would say she was about eight years old when I became queen. Okay. So over okay. 13 years. Okay. Now, um, did at, at one point in time, I'm wondering, because you're, you're packing away 6,000 calories a day, but then you're, you're purging it back. Um, were your, was your sports career in college, did it start to get affected? No, actually it did not. I, I even taught aerobics twice a day. I taught aerobics, went to ball practice, went to classes. It did not start um, until I got older, but it did not affect me. And I, I sit back and I wonder how it didn't, how did I even run up and down the court? Mm-hmm. Um, but I survived. My one thing that gave me energy every single day, I would have a diet mount do in a Snickers bar. Mm. I would not throw that up. And so that was my energy for practice. I would have it 30 minutes before practice. Mm-mm-mm. So I, if I sit back and think about it, I guess that was my energy. It's straight sugar and carbs that got me through practice. And you, um, your college years, you did four years? or I'm, I'm just amazed that you could carry on that kind of torture to your body 
being an athlete for, I mean, year after year, that's just amazing. Yes, I played basketball for two at one college and then transferred to another and was a uh, collegiate Division One volleyball player. And I, I did it all four years um, as an athlete. Amazing. Um, and I, I, it is amazing. It really is. I'm surprised <laughs> it's a heart attack or just die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you, you read all, all of the, the health consequences that come along with um, this type of eating disorder and, you know, the, the strain that you were putting on your body as an athlete. It's just amazing. I mean, and that's a testament to the body, what it will try to, to, to keep in there and hang in there with you the, as we're pushing it. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's just amazing. Now, I want to read a sentence that I read. Um, okay. And it says, you wrote this. You said, I was also crawling out of a dumpster in a filthy, dank alley, hoping desperately that no one would see me. My reason for climbing into the dumpster was to vomit the entire contents of my stomach. Eight plates worth in all which consisted of pizza, roast beef, pots, pasta, fried shrimp, ice cream, grits, fried chicken, pickles, collards, and pudding that I had just moments earlier consumed. I washed it all down with six glasses of Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, Andrea, I mean, who can eat that much food? I mean, who can, who can, somebody had to be watching you and saying, uh, you know, Andrea, what are you doing? Nobody was aware? Um, uh, <laughs> I was really thin. They knew I taught aerobics. They knew I was a runner. Um, and I remember the conversation. We have these things called gone crowd. To a bulimic, a all-you-can-eat buffet is like a heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, we were all sitting there, there was about eight of us, and they said, Andrew, how do you stay so thin? Look mm-hmm. at the food. And I said, well, I'm teaching three aerobic classes today. I said, my metabolism is out the roof. Nobody would say anything. And I literally, most people would go to a bathroom. I didn't want anybody to hear me. I didn't want anybody mm. to see me, so I went outside in the back, climbed actually inside the dumpster, and mm. grew up and came back in and started eating again. Yeah. Okay, so you're in the dorms dumpster and you're throwing up what you just ate. At some point, do you say something in this picture is just not right? I mean, this is just wrong. This is this is not right. This is not healthy. Oh, of course. Every every time I did, you go into this guilt phase. You mm-hmm. go into, you know, and, and I can stop it. I can mm-hmm. stop this, you know. And and for, it becomes more than just an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's other things that are triggering it in your life. And mm-hmm. um, I guess there was a lot in my life because I knew it was wrong, mm-hmm. but then you still do it. And it's like it's your comfort at the time. Intaking food is a comfort, but releasing it is more of a comfort. But mm-hmm. then you go into beating yourself up. Oh my God, I just did this. But mm-hmm. then it, it's a it's a cycle that it just doesn't stop. You know you're doing it wrong. It's like mm-hmm. if I knew I wouldn't go steal a candy bar from a store, I knew I, I did it. It's wrong. It makes you feel mm-hmm. guilty. You most people go take it back. Mm-hmm. When you know you're doing everything wrong, you just don't know how to stop it. But it's okay. also a comfort. It's like a drug. Okay. Okay. So would you say you were eating like this? Every day, or maybe just once a week, or no, I I would eat. It, some days were worse than others. Some days I would lock myself in college when I lived on my own in my apartment for a whole week and go grocery shopping. And you would think if you looked at my the way I spent money, you'd probably think I was a drug addict. <laughs> I'd lock myself in my apartment. But uh, some days were worse. But every day I threw up at least probably five to. Ten times a day, you know, and and, and the acid in in your your stomach as it's, I mean, it just it has to be tearing up your your body as you're purging on a daily basis like this. I mean, I think I've read that um, bulimics have issues with uh, eroding enamel on their teeth and you know creating ulcers. Did you suffer any health consequences? Um, my teeth have suffered um at the time when i was um first starting it ate holes where you could literally in the back of my mouth you could stick your finger in my gums it it, it, it put holes in my gums and my dentist asked me one time i was getting a feeling done he goes you're bulimic aren't you and of course you deny it Uh but he knew i was because you could there were holes all in the back from the acid 
Uh, my enamel on my teeth is absolutely horrible. My teeth break. Now, as I've gotten older, I've had a lot of repair on my teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's certain things I cannot eat that will burn my stomach, like somebody's poured gas in, mm. into my, and it's just burning. It's because of all of that. And I was very fortunate it did not burn my esophagus because mm-hmm. as much as I threw up, that acid can burn holes in the esophagus as well. Oh, wow. Wow. Andrea, um, it is time for our first break. I want you to hang in there with me. We'll be right back right after commercial. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Miss Andrea Logan today, who in her early college years um, suffered with bulimia. And before the break, we were talking about the damage that it had uh, started to take, the toll it started to take on her body. Um, now, I want to ask you, um, you know, most college experience were dating and stuff. Did you have boyfriends and stuff throughout college? Um, I dated uh, one guy for a little bit, but no, you um, you don't want anybody to know your secret. Um, okay. And then you're scared somebody's going to find out about it. So no, I was just an athlete, and I had a lot of friends, but I didn't date much at all. Yeah, because I was just trying, I mean, because some, they would have to be close to you, and at, at some point they would have to say, wait a minute, what's going on? Every time I take yeah. you out to dinner or McDonald's, like, why are you running off to the bathroom here or something? So... Um, you you kind of make sure you structured your life so nobody would find out your secret. Um, and now your 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 roommate freshman year is the one who taught you that. Did you guys separate from each other after that, or you know did you keep your partner in crime because it's easier to keep your secret when you have somebody with you? So did she stay with you second year, third year, or? Um, we stayed in touch some of my junior year in college because she went to a different college after. Um, the first college we went to, it was an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. And um, then I have not, I have, we didn't stay in touch anymore. I haven't heard from her. I don't even know what she's doing anymore. Okay, okay. Now, yeah. let me ask this. All this time you were suffering with bulimia, were you looking in the mirror and saying, I'm fat, or was it just Andrea was just unhappy with other things? It was, I'm fat, and Andrea is very unhappy with other things. Um, okay. I was so thin. I looked, I, this is no lie, I looked like a lollipop. Mm-hmm. So my head was so big and my body was so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, it, it wasn't just me being fat. It was, mm-hmm. um, and at the time when you're bulimic in the earlier years, you don't, I don't think you really know why you're doing it. I think it mm-hmm. starts as um, a body image thing. Mm-hmm. But I think then it, 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 the real truth start coming out. Mm-hmm. And if I can ask, if you don't mind sharing, what were some of your real truths? What What were the underlying reasons of why you were doing what you were doing? I had no control of my life, um, mm-hmm. none whatsoever. I was told which way to go in my degree, what I needed to do, where I needed to go, what kind of person I needed to date. Um, I was... People were only happy with me if I was in the limelight. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wasn't in the limelight, I wasn't doing anything right. So that was one thing I could control. I could control it. It was all mine. Nobody could take it away from me. It was my secret, and it was pretty much screw everybody else's mind mm-hmm. because I didn't have I didn't have any control whatsoever in anything like I applied to other colleges no we're not going to help you you're going to go here you're going to play this you're going to make mm. this so it was more of my control gotcha gotcha so your four years in college you know that that sets the foundation for your eating disorder um what happens after college what do you do with yourself professionally after college um, I actually became a school teacher. Okay. And and which was a ne- first terrible place to do because my mom was um, in charge of all of the math and English of the whole county, and my dad was the deputy superintendent of that county. Oh wow! And so it was like 
all eyes on me. And the only mm-hmm. reason I got the job, people would say, is because of my parents. Mm. So I was a school teacher, and my behavior became totally worse because okay. all pressure of Andrea being the best and needed to be the best teacher. I was Freddie and Andy Kennedy's daughter. My, mm-hmm. it, 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 actually, it became worse than college. Okay. And um, the bulimia got worse, or did you combine... I, I want to know, did you combine bulimia and anorexia? Were there times where you just didn't eat for periods of time, or you, were you always just a purger? I was a purger and an over-exerciser. I would make sure I taught morning classes before I went to work, um, and then in the evening, and then I would go run. So mine was purging exercise-wise and food-wise. Okay, okay. So you're still... You're still doing the athletic thing, so you're teaching the aerobic classes before you go teach at your school, and then afterwards you would go. How 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 much would you run afterwards? Mile wise, oh, like, an hour. Oh, an hour. Okay. Hour and a half. Okay. Yeah, I was like cardio bunny. <laughs> so um, somewhere along the way, you're teaching. Um, and you mentioned your daughter is 18. Somewhere along the way, you you get involved in a relationship of some sort, and you get pregnant. Now you're, I'm assuming, a few years into your bulimia, being pregnant that has to be difficult on the body. Oh, it's horrible. I um, was bedridden for four months. Uh, no, at at four months when I was pregnant, I could not get out of the bed. Anything, my body completely shut down. I gained 82 pounds. Um, I had preeclampsia, toxemia. Um, I was on a catheter because they wouldn't let me get up and, and out of bed because my body was so underweight. Mm-hmm. And I still threw up during the whole pregnancy and still gained all that weight. Um, hmm. But she was born a healthy baby because the doctor, I, I told him I was bulimic. He said, it, you know, you can throw up all day you want. That baby's going to take all the nutrients and you're going to be the one that's going to suffer. And um, so when I was completely bedridden, I would eat just to, you know, just to keep the baby healthy. And I was on a really strict diet. But as soon as she was born, I went right back to my nasty habits. Mm-hmm. So the doctor was aware that you were bulimic at this time? Mm-hmm. Yes, I had to let him know because uh, I was so scared because I'd already they had put me on bed rest because I started hemorrhaging. And he said, well, we're going to put you, we don't know if the baby will make it or not. And then I started gaining, like, fluid swelling up, and Mm -hmm. my blood pressure would shoot up. So he put me on complete bed rest until she was born, so I had to let him know. And, uh, but even though he had me on these calorie intakes, it still bothered me, but I, I ballooned up so bad. So as soon as I saw that, as soon as she was born, I mean, the vicious cycle came right back. Okay. So did he offer you any help at that particular time, or did he inform any of the loved ones around you what you were struggling with? or? Well, when, you know, bulimia, I became bulimic in the early 80s, and so she was born in the late 90s. There was not a lot of help around here. They sent you to psychiatrists, and they wanted to put you on drugs. And they couldn't put me on anything because I was pregnant. My pregnancy was so bad, so they would monitor me. I'd have mm-hmm. to go to the doctor every other day. So I don't think they really knew how to help me except for psychiatrists. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much help today. Okay. Um, but in the 80s, it was just coming out because, you remember, Karen Carpenter and all mm-hmm. was finally coming out. But there wasn't a lot, a lot of help. They would just send you to a psychiatrist. And, you know, they just wanted to put you on drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you were, even while pregnant, you were still purging. Mm-hmm. There, I'm, I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted. Like, there was no, as maternal instinct should kick in and say, like, okay, I have a baby growing inside of me, at least for this nine months. Let me just suck this up and do this for the kid, and I'll go back to purging afterwards. But there was no, none, none of that. Well, there was. It was a, called a pattern, and I okay. know this is going to sound gross and sick, but I would <laughs> okay. eat carrots. I would eat carrots. So when you threw up, it would come up in the order that you ate. 
Okay. So whenever I would eat something good, like let's say I ate um, a turkey sandwich, okay. I would eat carrots right after it because they're orange. And mm-hmm. then when I got to the carrots when I was growing up, I would quit growing mm-hmm. up because I knew there was good food in me. And that would okay. be for the baby. So it was, I learned these patterns. Don't ask me how because nobody taught me anything. But I would get to my carrots and see orange in my vomit and say, okay, you know, I, I need to quit throwing up right now. Shut up. Okay. I've thrown up enough. This is it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess in, in retrospect, we can see now that that was, that was a lot of dysfunction there. I mean, just that, <laughs> that thought process, you know, I mean, um, you know, that's just, that's just, powerful right there just to to hear that now um miss miss lady the daughter she came out healthy and everything yeah she's perfectly healthy almost nine pounds uh was never sick but you see also i nursed i don't even know how i nursed to produce milk i nursed her till she was almost two wow and was yeah um and you know that that eats a lot of calories for me you gotta eat the right food so i i will have to thank god for a lot of things for me to be alive, for her to be healthy, being able to nurse her, because what I was doing to my body, I was killing myself mm. in a very slow, slow process. Yeah, and uh, she came out extremely healthy. A natural birth, um, didn't have any drugs. She Good deal. Right on time. Yeah, yeah. You, you had some angels watching out for you, let's say that. I sure did. <laughs> I, I sure did. Okay. Well, we're going to take our second break of the day. Hang in there with me. I'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. I am with Andrea Logan today. Life come full circle after struggling with bulimia. And uh, before the last break, we were talking about her pregnancy and how she got all uh, through all of that, even uh, with bulimia. Now, you said uh, your daughter came out healthy with no problems or complications. You even nursed her. Uh, were you purging while you were breastfeeding and everything? Yes, uh, it never stopped. It, okay. it, it, it never, and that's, I don't even know how I produce milk. I, I really don't. My weight came off within uh, four months from 82 pounds. I was teaching four aerobic classes a day, purging and nursing. You know, I guess maybe I just want to hear at some point in time, you know, it's like, okay, well, for this 30 days, yep. you know, I, I stopped. or so, But it just, it was consistent. Just It just went, okay. Yep. Um, so... At what point does Andrea say, you know what, enough is enough. I, I cannot do this anymore. Um, my daughter was about four years old, and I'd finally decided to go to counseling. And I found mm-hmm. one of the most wonderful ladies. She was like an angel to me. And um, she told me that if I didn't stop, I was malnourished, that um, I was going to die and my daughter would be without a mother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, that would think that would shock you into place. Well, it slowed me down a little bit, mm-hmm. but being bulimic, I had other issues, and I was running to things, I guess, running from or to. I started getting into very abusive relationships where I was okay. beaten. And um, so I went through all of that, and, of course, when you're beaten... Your cycle comes back. Mm-hmm. I was um, on a military base, and I was training some people, and there was an elderly lady. Her husband was retired from the military. And she says, I wish I could be as healthy as you. I've got mm-hmm. cancer, and I just wish I could just go back and turn some things around and be healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it did to me, but I looked at her, and I even told her, I said, I'm a liar. And she says, mm. and I said, I'm lying. I said, I'm mm. not healthy. I'm not mm-hmm. healthy at all. And at that moment in time, I've been a personal trainer telling people how to get in shape. But really, I was the biggest facade that walked the planet. Mm-hmm. And I decided to get healthy for my daughter. And I put myself in an eating disorder clinic for three months. Okay. Okay. What what kind of things did they show you, teach you while you were in the this program? Um, One of the the 
and I still have it today. I had to lay on a piece of paper and they traced me. Mm-hmm. And every day we had to put what we felt about ourselves. It couldn't be words. It couldn't be the color. We couldn't draw our eyes. We had to pick things from magazines, okay. words, images. And you mm-hmm. had to fill up that whole body. And what they did was is you'd look at it and you would have to explain why you felt that way. Mm-hmm. And it, it 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 helped me realize who I was. It I wasn't here for anyone else on this earth. Really, you can't help what you're born into or or some of the patterns that you've chosen as a kid. It's time to take control of your life now. And these words or the images that I was posting, they make you dig really, really, really deep within yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that was one therapy. We worked with horses was another. And then I was with a group of women that... You, when you sat in your groups, you listened to their stories as well, and you got to really open up for the first time, let every emotion out, and you could mm-hmm. trust those people to listen to your emotions, to listen to your fears, to listen to why you hate yourself, to listen to everything that's gone in your life, and they give you these building blocks. It's almost, I would assume, like the 12-step program that mm-hmm. you know, either drug addicts, alcohol go mm-hmm. through. They they teach you patterns and how to be accountable. And so when you get out, you're not thrown out into the world. They place you back with a counselor, and you stay accountable to people, and they help you figure out who you really are without being the eating disorder. Because really the disorder is you. That's all Mm -hmm. it is. It consumes you. You're not really a mom. You're Mm -hmm. not really a, a wife or best friend to anybody you are that eating disorder because it consumes your whole life. It consumes everything that you do. And it teaches you how to manage your life without it. Because mm-hmm. to me, that was my comfort. That was my safe place to go. Um, I, it was my emotions. It was letting out my anxiety. It was everything to me. Okay. And it teaches you how to go down the road without having it. Okay. And, I mean, it's a long struggle. But it, it, it really helped. And when I traced that body and was feeling in my spaces, when I go back and look at it, it's like I'm looking at my evil twin. <laughs> like, that person doesn't even exist. Gotcha. And it's because of the words that you find in a magazine or an article or maybe um, one of them was a uh, uh, fire that I mm-hmm. put in. And that was like it, it, I used to tell them I felt like I was fire was burning inside of me that I couldn't put it out mm-hmm. and so they really did, they really dug deep in you and um, it's a good place and if people are bulimic or eating disorder depression or whatever it is if they can find a really good counselor that they can trust mm-hmm. I think that's what saved me I, I really do I couldn't have yeah. done it on my own yeah now um, you couldn't have done it on, on your own while you were in recovery besides your counselor and I think you mentioned your daughter was about four years old or something at this time. Did you have a support system, family, loved ones around you, or were you you're on your own doing this? Um, it, the sad thing was I was completely on my own. I reached out to family, but I was they looked at it like I could stop it. I was vain. And plus, I, I had some bad characters that went with it. I wrote bad checks for food. Okay. I'm okay. in jail. And so instead of maybe saying she needs help, it was more like she's the problem child. She is bulimic, and all the activity that went around with it was centered around that, and I didn't have a support system. And so when I went into the therapy, it, I've been a single mom for, oh, she, she's 18, she, uh, 14 years. Okay. And, uh, and so I really didn't. So my support was my counselor. My support mm-hmm. team was friends that I finally opened up to, just one or two, okay. uh, about my life. And they're the ones that I could call at any given time. But like I said, my counselor was my angel. She'd let me call her in the middle of the line if I had to. Okay. So really, I did it completely on my own in that sense. But if it wasn't for this, the Institute and my counselor, I, I, I would probably be dead by now. Okay, okay. 
And I'm wondering if your recovery was smooth sailing or did you have some some fallbacks where you went back to it or or was it just uh, No, when I came out I it wasn't as frequent but I did not know how to handle anxiety. Okay. Because when you throw up, you you're throwing up your anxiety, your worries, your scares, everything. So for a while if I got real anxious or scared I would eat, but I wouldn't, I wasn't gorging out, but I okay. would throw up every now and then. And then it fi- finally papered off, and then it became, I realized it was more of a chore, and it, it was, it, it hurt. I didn't like it. And mm-hmm. eventually I, I came to a complete stop because then I had my daughter who was older. I knew it was just me and her. And I knew if that one time I threw up, I could have an aneurysm. Anything could have mm-hmm, happened. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and so um, I I completely stopped. Learned how to eat correctly, to eat enough, and then I decided just to turn my life completely around as much as I could, and wanted to to be one hundred percent clean. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you've mentioned a couple of things. You know, I think with the eating disorder. Um, bulimia, anorexia, you know, people just assume, uh, or they can just stop, you know, or, or whatever. But you mentioned you'd gotten to the point where, you know, you were writing bad checks for food. I mean, we hear these kinds mm-hmm. of things with drug addicts or something. I, I don't think really current mentality and culture still recognizes that, um, eating disorder, people with eating disorders struggle with the same types of issues that somebody with like a drug addiction might, um, go through and and you do need somebody around you to say you know it would be so, so much more helpful if somebody was there to say you know hold on you know let me be your support mm-hmm. system or yeah. you know or look what you're doing is unhealthy i see this is something that you might not be able to control yourself you know let me see if i can help you get some help and be there while you get some help but i think we have a lot of growth to go um as a culture with understanding the the whole totality of eating disorders so I mean, just oh, I like agree. I said, totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact that somebody writes bad checks to get some food, not necessarily because they're hungry. You know, I haven't eaten in days, but mm-hmm. they're hungry to feed their addiction. I mean, they're they're buying food to feed their addiction that that speaks volumes in itself. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this, and I wrote so many that uh, the I they told me I could go spend weekends in jail or be on probation. So I chose jail mm-hmm. and um and so there was even a time, you know, I was, I, I was a school teacher and then I also worked on um, base and I made a good salary. I would go one or two months and I'd pay my electric bill or my water bill just so I could have my food. I mean, just like a, a drug addict. And it, it's, uh, it can get completely out of hand. And one thing society doesn't, they do think you can stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear stories, I was bulimic for three months and I'm cured. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. Or I think our... The society doesn't realize how in-depth the brain can really go. I mean, I could overeat and never have to make myself throw up because my brain was triggered if I got that full feeling. I'd throw mm-hmm. up on myself. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Yep. So today, you know, we're, we're healthy and we're living better. Uh, what happens? To, well, do you go to McDonald's now? Yeah, sure don't. Okay. Uh, you, you don't go to McDonald's. You don't go to Burger King? Nope. No more Krispy Kreme. No more Krispy Kreme donuts. No more Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, <laughs> I might take a a piece of uh, birthday cake on my birthday because I love that icing. If I could indulge in anything and not gain a pound, I would eat a whole thing of cake icing. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I learned how to eat properly um, and eat a lot. I like mm-hmm. to eat, but I've learned how to do it healthy and um, maintain a good and healthy lifestyle. Okay, so do you go to restaurants or do you eat yeah. out a lot? Okay, is yeah. there any any struggles? I mean, when you're sitting there trying to figure out what to order, it was in the beginning, but now I'm I'm really one of these pain in the ass probably people. I ask them, <laughs> do you put butter on the broccoli? No butter. Can I have extra chicken and salmon on my salad or uh, put the salad dressing on the side? If um, when I go to, I do eat at IHOP. But I'll mm-hmm. tell them to put it in that um, olive oil pan. Don't put, okay. put my eggs in grease. And so I'm one of these. And I've learned. And I, I've learned how to eat out. 
And if I have to go to anywhere fast food, Chick-fil-A is probably the best because they have the little grilled nuggets. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I try to stay completely away from any of that. And one, it's, it's not a pleasure-tasting thing to me because I overindulged in it so much. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it doesn't even, it's sort of like maybe if you get alcohol poison off of a, an alcoholic drink. Mm-hmm. don't want that taste anymore. A lot of it is that, too. And okay. um, and I used to be a sugarholic. I would eat candy all the time. I, mm-hmm. I'm not a big candy eater. And I really try to show now it. you know, I want to be a walking billboard. I want to show people you can eat healthy, eat a lot, and maintain a good, healthy look and be able to eat. And I tell people if you have to cheat, you know, don't cheat all day. Take that taste of a cake or a dessert. You know, don't don't go and I'm not telling people not to enjoy life, but mm-hmm. do everything in moderation. You can have anything you want. It's just I don't anymore because you always, there's that fear, I guess, mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. you. Like, God, what, what if I did eat that whole piece of cake? Mm-hmm. How would I feel? So I just don't do it. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, Miss Lady, we're going to take our last break of the day. When we come back, we're going to talk about your life now as a CrossFit athlete and everything you're doing. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. I am with Andrea Logan, wellness coach and CrossFit box owner. Uh, now, Andrea, as part of your recovery and uh, growth out of becoming a bulimic, you are now a CrossFit athlete. And for those out there who do not know, explain exactly what is CrossFit. Um, it's actually it's um, different than a global gym, as we call them, or a regular gym. It's... um. Where you come in, you set a clock, and you work out all together. You have a coach, and you're all doing the exercises together, not like an aerobic class, but it's really a community. It's um, you're working out together, making friends, a family, and it has it's such a different vibe than anything that I've ever ever experienced in the fitness world. And it's a sport as well. Um, you can compete, and there's actually national. Um, competition where people are given a title, the fittest man and women on the planet. Okay, okay. And, you know, I was checking out your website, andrealoganfitness.com, and I saw some workout footage of you. And uh, let me just say the physique is, like, amazing, and the six-pack has to be, like, the, the talk of the gym. How how long have you been at it? How, how long did it take you to get to where you're at right now? Oh, it's probably taken me... A good seven years okay. to really dial in and figure out what I needed to eat for performance mm-hmm. instead of the look, just okay. for the look. Um, and it's, it's a lot of it's a science. Everybody's different. Everybody's body's different. And I wanted to become strong mm-hmm. because for some reason, and um, being strong for me isn't. I want to look strong. I want to be the strongest. It's because I never want to feel like that weak person again. It makes me feel like I'm a different person. When I was bulimic, I was tiny. I was frail. Mm -hmm. I was not confident. I didn't like myself. And by me becoming strong, it's given me a different confidence about myself, like almost like a different person. It reminds me I'm not even remotely close. So I work real, real hard to show people that you can turn your life around wherever you want to go. And my strength for me is to keep me focused that that weakness will never come back. Okay. So do you compete yourself? I sure do, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I compete for local um, competitions around here. Um, I tore my Achilles this year, so I was hoping that I could try out for the game. So I'm on the mending right now but yes i i compete and i love it um Mm -hmm. it gives you still that drive at 47 that inner athlete in you where you Mm -hmm. can have that competition yeah okay okay now you mentioned around here you do own your own gym and and where where's your gym at um in cary north carolina um near raleigh 
Okay. Uh, the oh. capital of North Carolina. Yep. So you train people yourself? Yes, ma'am. I train, and then I also coach classes, but I individually train. Um, but I enjoy the reason I opened a CrossFit gym is is called the community, and I develop athletes also. But I also want people to have a place where they can feel comfortable and calm. If you're obese, if you have an eating disorder, if you battle any kind of anything in your life where you feel like you have a place right there at that moment where you can let whatever go, work out, be amongst friends, a support team, and you are welcome There's and people know you. Mm-hmm. Um Instead of going into a gym by yourself trying to do your workout or you're with a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a community, um, we take care of each other. You check mm-hmm. in on each other if you don't see them. And it's a family and it, and that's what makes it so great. And I just love, that's why I wanted to do it because of the community base that CrossFit offers. Okay. Okay. So it, it's, uh, quite different than your standard gym. I, I know. Uh, most of us tease. Most gyms are like the meat market. There, you know, you go there and work out, and most people are there to pick up somebody or whatever. But you guys are, like you're saying, more family orientated. We're all in this together. You know, your progress is my progress, and um, you know, I, I think that would probably be uh, an avenue for more success when it comes to getting fit there. It is, and it's in mostly based in warehouses. There's no heat, no air conditioner. Um, we don't have machines like you do in a regular gym, and our monitors, we we make a machine out of you. We do have um, bars, bumper plates, um, infinity racks, which you can do pull-ups. Um, we have medicine balls. We have slam balls. So you're you're doing a, a bunch of different things that every day, um, working on your strength as well. Mm-hmm. However, it's not just going and getting on a machine or sitting there. And I'm not knocking people that bodybuild or anything. Mm-hmm. It, but you're you're in an environment that's pushing you and encouraging you mm-hmm. and helping you reach whatever goal you have. If you want to compete, you're there. They'll push you to become better. If you walked in and you were a little intimidated, they're going to welcome you and say, "Oh, come on, you can do this." And it's scalable, modifiable. And you just have a community that's going to help you kind of be accountable to yourself, too. And okay. it's just a different, it's the most unique thing that I've ever experienced. Okay. Now, has CrossFit been out for a while, or is this something relatively new? Um, it's actually really gotten hot in the last couple of years. It's been around about seven, but okay. Reebok has picked it up. And so it, it's, uh, it's really it's growing fast. It really okay. is, and it's um, it, it's uh, it, it's booming up like on every corner. So yeah, okay. in the last couple of years, I said it, I think it's gotten bigger than it ever has, and it's still okay. growing. Okay, now um, I do want to bring up that you know you do personally train people, but you have some very unique clients. You you work with a lot of handily ha- excuse me, I can't talk today. Handicapped people. Um, and help them get in shape. How how did all of that come about? Um, well, there's this girl named Rachel Freeman. She uh, oh, she's nationally known. She fell in um, a pool on a bridal shower and became a quadriplegic. Mm. And uh, the insurance company only gave her like 20 days of therapy. And her mm. husband, he ended up marrying her. And um, we saw her story. And so what I do is I bring her in. I'm her therapy right now, which she needs more. But I, I train her, and we have straps that I can strap on our hands, and um, so I can keep her upper body at least strong. And we work on her eating because just because you're in a wheelchair doesn't mean you can really eat anything you want to because your body doesn't work. You need to actually eat really a lot better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just pick her on, and then I'm also a wounded warrior. He uh, he he's deaf, and he has only one lung. And, mm. uh, I try to help him stay in shape. And it, I, my, I, it's kind of like a full circle, like you said. My eating disorder was a nasty monster, but it was also like the best thing that ever happened to me because I don't mm. know if I would have the compassion that I do where I just want to help people. I want mm-hmm. them to find their inner strengths. And so with Rachel being a handicap, she's an inspiration to myself as a reminder in a lot of areas. 
but also I want to help her feel strong in some ways that she might not ever again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. I mean, that, that's amazing. So you work with Rachel, you have her like once a week or? Um, right now, since it's winter, um, I used to have her about three to four times a day. Uh, I mean, a week. And, um, but right now with the winter, um, she's in a lot of pain. Even though she's, mm. um, paralyzed, it's that her internals hurt. It's like mm. her, um, she just hurts and aches on the inside. And, mm. um, it's hard for her to get up. And then, um, her blood pressure is really, really, really low. And so some days when she gets up, um, she just doesn't, she feels like she's going to pass out. So there's a lot that keeps her, but the cold right now keeps her from really getting out and being able to get going. And um, I actually just talked to her the other day. She's in a, um, I'm going to go see her. She's in a wheelchair rugby tournament. <laughs> cool and, stuff. Yes, yeah. And uh, so I'm going to go see her, and we're going to try to start back. She just said, like, lately she's just been in a lot, a lot of pain. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, Miss Lady, uh you are an amazing, amazing woman. I mean, and doing amazing things, not only for yourself and, and for other people. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I, I hope that everybody hears your story and is touched by it. Now, not only those with eating disorders, but, you know, you know, other areas in life that they're, you know, struggling with to feel good about themselves that could lead to other dysfunctions in life. So, I mean, I just thank you for sharing today and, and being with me here today. We're, we're at the end of this hour here. They always go so fast for me. So <laughs> thank you for hanging out with me, Miss Logan. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story. I really appreciate it. No problem. A beautiful person. Uh, like I said, my guest today has been Miss Andrea Logan. Please, please, please visit her website, andrealoganfitness.com. Uh, Andrea, I hope to have a six pack with, uh, like yours one day, but I don't know if I can give up my Krispy Kreme donuts just yet. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed having you on the show. You're an inspiration to everybody out there. That is all for this week's show. Until next time. <laughs> 